Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. My name is Mike Starr of Blazing Star Barbecue, and you are listening to the Leonard and Jeff on the Baseball Barbecue Podcast. Please tune in for all their great topics. Promise you, you won't regret it. Oh, yeah. Studios of Baseball and BBQ on Long Island, New York. This is episode number 223. I'm Jeff the Cohen, along with Leonard Hollywood Abraman, and we welcome you back to our program, Leonard. Hello, Jeff. I've, I'm going to speak in my, uh, as close to an announcer voice as I can get. And do you know why? Well, first of all, I don't see you cupping your ear. <laughs> well, I have headphones on, so yeah, but I... From the studios of Burbank, California. And this is that was uh oh, who who did that? Gary Owens. That was, yeah, thank you. Well, Jeff, I'm gonna answer my own question. We have one of I, I think one of the more distinctive voices. People from other parts of the country, the world may not recognize the voice, but I certainly do. And that is Pete McCarthy, who has been in radio, and I think he probably all over the country. Well, he's on Sirius XM, so yeah, yeah, you hear him on there. Yeah, so you, you've heard him. So that's Pete McCarthy, and he he just has a very clear, distinctive voice. And we've got Sean Hill of the Texas Moonswiners, and he's going to talk all about his barbecue team and high school barbecue, yeah. um, his involvement with that. So we've got Pete McCarthy, Sean Hill, and... You even have a rant. Ooh, yes. I, I know I kind of, but I want people to look forward to that. Ah, okay. So, yeah. So before we do, before we start episode 223 of the Baseball and Barbecue podcast, I tell everybody it is time for the Super Bowl. The playoffs are over. We now know who's in the big game. It's the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. They will be playing in Vegas, and Bet Online is your number one source for 
football odds, the Super Bowl, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, it is where the game starts. Yes, Leonard, the uh, San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Swifties. Can't wait for that. <laughs> Jeff, you're a Swiftie, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have your little uh, Taylor Swift uh, bracelet. I know. I know that that's, that's about what I know. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's, why don't we get started with Pete McCarthy hear how a real broadcaster does things. We first met our guest outside of city field on opening day a few years ago. I am sure it's very memorable day for him meeting us. He's a very versatile sports talk personality and broadcaster. You can hear him on Sirius XM radio doing updates. He's an anchor and host on WFAN, WCBS, WINS, and CBS Sports Radio. Among his other Denver's, he was a pregame host of Mets on Deck, co-host of the Metrospective podcast from The Athletic, and co-host of the Orange and Blue Thing podcast. Originally from our part of the world, Long Island, but now resides in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome, Pete McCarthy, to Baseball and BBQ. Well, appreciate okay. you guys. Now, I, I got the baseball part down. I'm a little concerned about the barbecue part because uh, that <laughs> that skill is not not one that I have. <laughs> well, my first question is, since you moved to Greensboro, North Carolina, have you been to any of the barbecue restaurants, Steamy's or Country Barbecue? Yeah, we have Steamy's is about a mile from my house. So that was one of the first meals we had here. It's uh, it's OK. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> it's not my favorite favorite <laughs> style of barbecue. I will say that the barbecue has not knocked me out. I was very excited about the barbecue coming down here, and it's been, uh, you know, it's it's okay. But <laughs> well, there Pete, are other you... other parts of the world with better better barbecue, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. You don't have Let's to. You don't, yeah, you don't have to be able to barbecue as long as you can find good barbecue. Now, if you can't find it, then we have a problem. Well, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I got to get out to Durham more. That's where the good North Carolina barbecue is. I've been to Lexington which is kind of more rural and they're supposed to have great barbecue. And I think I just ordered the wrong thing. Like I, like I didn't, I got pork chops or something, but I didn't get them like cut up. And gotcha. so it, it wasn't as good as it could have been. So, I, so I, again, the North Carolina barbecue experience to me, I'll take Texas. <laughs> I'll take Memphis. Kansas city is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. North Carolina. <laughs> so, you know, Jeff, Jeff actually took uh, what's on your LinkedIn page versatile versatile sportscaster yeah i'm a utility guy (laughs) you (laughs) i mean it's but it's really true and and then he basically could have written your wikipedia page because uh that's cool you have done a you've done a lot (laughs) yeah it's been a busy few years so i was at wor for five years while the mets were there and then the mets left and, and went to wcbs and then i was out of a job and so I kind of got to do the freelance thing, and it was obviously a little little scary in the moment, but I got to do a lot of different things, whether it was uh, being on the fan and hosting shows and now doing updates to uh, going on SNY. I was on SNY quite a bit for about a year, year and a half there. I just got to do like a million different things in New York, the podcast with The Athletic, uh, Orange and Blue thing with Darren, which was a lot of fun, So, uh, and the Seven Lines. So it's just... Uh, it was actually pretty cool over that that year and a half, two years to do a million different things. And yeah, versatile, versatile is what 
I like to think of myself, you know, like a, like a Jeff McNeil of uh, yeah. talking yeah. about the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your origin story. You started out here on Long Island. I think you grew up in Central Iceland. You worked for the Ducks for a little while, and then you uh, ended up at Hofstra University. So tell us how that progression went and, and how you got into sports radio. Yeah, so I grew up East Islip, uh, went to Boomer Esiason's Elementary School and and through the whole way there. Uh, my mom worked at Cintas, which is in Central Islip, but it's right across the street from where the Ducks were playing So, and where they still play. So I would work after school with my mom at Cintas for a few hours, and then eventually I was able to wiggle my way and get a job with the Ducks. Uh, that was, I always knew I wanted to do sports casting, uh, eighth grade career day i basically did a my howie rose impression and called an islander's goal in front of my home economics class and and that was it that's what i wanted to do so i got into the the baseball park and would hawk scorecards and yearbooks and then through that i got an opportunity to work at walk 97.5 the adult contemporary station out of patch hog there did promotions i dressed up as the walkie bear I waved to people in parades and made sure the inflatable walkie bear didn't hit any power lines or traffic lights. So if you were at a St. Patrick's Day parade in about 2000, 2001, uh, you probably saw me on the back of the thing waving at people because I didn't know what else to do other than make sure the bear didn't hit anybody. Uh, so, yeah, so I did all that and then had the bug, uh, went to Hofstra. They have an unbelievable radio station, WRHU. I was able to call hundreds of games, football back then, basketball, and we had some really good basketball teams at the time, should have made the NCAA tournament in 2006, five, six. Uh, never forgive George Mason, so that'll that'll always stick with me. Uh, very thin reference there for our, our Hofstra diehards, but yes, I, I did that, and then I got a gig at MLB.com, and I started doing highlights baseball highlights for cell phones back in 2005 and at the time i didn't know anybody who could watch these highlights because that was not the world we were living in with our flip phones <laughs> but very soon the iphone came out and then it was oh this is going to be a big thing and i did a ton of things at mlb.com from doing video shows to radio shows to highlights to interviewing people to covering world series all-star games the whole nine yards uh, and i did that for nine years so I was I was very fortunate to be able to be on air pretty early, but I was I, I knew what I wanted to do and, and kind of worked my way up when you think of the progression, I guess. When, when you got to MLB.com, uh, before that, you had a you actually had a chance meeting at, at Hooters, right? And that led to that job at MLB.com. Yeah. Wow, you did your research. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so when I was at Hofstra, I used to work at Nassau Coliseum and I would sell beer there during the Islander games and I would sell beer until 10 minutes left of the third period. And then you get to kind of hang out and watch the game. And if it was a Tuesday night and they were playing the Canucks and there were 4,000 people in there, I watched a lot of the game and uh, didn't work that hard selling beers to empty seats. So uh, yeah, it was an unbelievable job. I mean, and that's like commission based. I highly recommend if you have the ability to, you know, hawk beers or something at the Met games, the Islander games, that is a good gig. And uh, you'll you'll build up your quads at the same time. So, yes, yeah, so I did that. But then they, they had the lockout, the NHL lockout in 2005. So all of a sudden I didn't have any income. I was doing a ton of stuff at the college radio station, which doesn't pay. And then I hit that summer, or I was about to hit that summer between junior and senior year, where you want to get the big inter internship. And I just, I didn't have any ability to commute to a job that didn't pay. 
or do any of those things. I was at my parents' house. We're planning to be at my parents' house on Long Island, and I didn't have a car and have any of those things. So I was uh, I was short on cash. But my friends talked me into going out to Hooters, which I wasn't going to go because I didn't have any money. But I went and like drank sodas or something. And I was talking to my friend Vinny Micucci, who was a Hofstra alum who was working at MLB.com. And I was just kind of, you know, giving him the lay of the land of my situation. He's like, I've heard you. You sound great. I'm going to, we're looking for somebody to do highlights on air. Would you be interested in doing that? I'm like, yeah. So I think it was two weeks later in April, I went into Chelsea in Manhattan and auditioned at, at Chelsea Market where they had the operation and they were immediately like, oh, you're our guy. All right. And, it was uh, it was unbelievable. It was very very fortunate, and I was there for nine years, uh, nine wow. good years. So, yeah, that's that's how it nice. worked out at Hooters. Always go to Hooters. <laughs> you get invited to Hooters. Never say no. I, I hear their wings are very good. Yeah, I've heard that too. <laughs> so, Pete, you mentioned uh, a Howie Rose impression, so I can't let that pass up. Oh, I can't do it. But you no, you, you no longer. Uh, well, I, I I don't have like I'm not an impressionist. I'm not good at impressions, but I just I I did you know a Howie call in my own way, I guess. But a Marius Tchaikovsky goal that era of the Islanders in front of my home at class. I I have no idea what it sounded like now, but uh, I will I will not do the Howie the injustice of trying to trying to uh, well, impression him. And and eventually you actually got to work with Howie Rose. Yeah, that was a real thrill. I enjoyed every second of that. And it, it was intimidating that, you know, have him on the show and go back and forth and, and do all those things. But he never he never acted in a way that would make it intimidating for me. It's just one of those things that he was someone that I looked up to so much, uh, you know, as a kid watching Mets Islanders. He was on my TV like every night for those years that he was doing television and obviously listening to him on the Mets games. And then you get the double appreciation when you know how hard it is to do radio baseball play-by-play and you listen to how he make it sound effortless and unbelievable on the air and he's even better when it's a 10 nothing game and you're like looking forward to the next story that's going to come out of his mouth uh it's unbelievable i i did have the opportunity this is like a really rare thrill they didn't have anybody to do play-by-play with him for a preseason game spring training game uh so i got to do a spring training game it's the only Major League Baseball play-by-play I've done. So that was a thrill. And I got to do it next to Howie. And I felt like, uh, you ever see the movie Major League, where you have, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Harry oh, Doyle, yeah. and then the, yeah. the, the intern <laughs> guy next to him. Yeah. I felt like I felt like that guy. I was like pretty useless <laughs> in there. I was, I was trying to throw in things where I can. But there was one point where it's a spring training game. So it's like the sixth inning. People are going in and out of the game. You have no idea who's hitting. And you don't know who these numbers are, you know, it's number 140, as you guys uh, have seen. And then Sandy Alderson's in the booth. So Howie is doing play-by-play for the game, try to figure out who the hell is at bat, explain what's going on in the game, and interview Sandy all at the same time. And I'm just sitting there like, how is he operating three channels of his brain at one time and making it effortless on the air, sound effortless? Uh, So, yeah, it's just, you know, one of those things that when you get to even see it up close, you're even more in amazement of what what he's able to do i'm sure what gary's able to do and and just how fortunate mets fans have been all these years with the great announcers that they've had and i always always found it fun to hear howie and gary talk about bob murphy and how they were intimidated by bob in a lot of different ways because he was who they idolized and i never really talked to them about it but that's exactly the way that i would feel sitting next to them or being around them 
So yes, it just, uh, you know, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. As New York sports fans, basketball, baseball, hockey, football, we've been very lucky, obviously, to have great announcers. As Met fans, we've been extremely fortunate. And I mean, that goes back to, yeah, that goes back to Lindsey Nelson, Ralph Kiner, Bob Murphy. I mean, the original threesome. And, and, you know, strewn throughout, I mean, we've had Tim McCarver, we've had Tom Seaver, we've had, you know, with the Mets and, and Gary Thorne. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's just, you might have put Keith Hernandez and Rod Darling in there too. Right. You know, long they've been doing it. Exactly. I mean, but that's the thing, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because the, the younger generations, of course, have, you know, they, and they're phenomenal. You know, you've got Gary and Ron and Keith and, and everyone. But if you are into Mets history, you know that, you know, there was the great announcers. I mean, like you said, Bob Murphy. I mean, there's, you know, that's he's iconic sound. You yeah. know it as soon as you hear it. Exactly. Exactly. And Kiner with Kiner's Corner. I mean, I mean, it, we've been very blessed in New York to have, you know, all these great announcers for the Mets. Absolutely. And in my experience, you know, I've had great experiences with all of them as well. So, you know, that's not always the case, right? Meet your heroes and that whole thing. But right. uh, getting the opportunity to, to be around Howie, especially more, more so than than Gary. But, mm-hmm. you know, both of them, when I did have interactions with them, always extremely respectful and, uh, you know, happy to share knowledge, help out, give a little tip, whatever I would ask for it, uh, that kind of thing. So, yes, I mean... All, all all bases covered. It's cool to see, you know, Gary's up at the Ford C. Frick Award this year. And then uh, mm-hmm. I hope to see Howie get on that list soon because yeah. Howie, I, I guess it's, you know, he's on the radio, so he doesn't get the attention now that the television crew gets. Uh, but listen to Howie do a full Mets radio broadcast and tell me that guy's not a Hall of Famer. It's oh, funny. Yes. It's informative. Uh, you're getting all the details that you need of the game. It is unbelievable. 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 I mean, one of the pleasures of having the job that I did is that during the game, I didn't have to do anything except watch the game, listen to the game and listen to how we do baseball play by play for five years and, and baseball play by play. I mean, it can sound like wallpaper. I, I've I've listened to broadcasts at, at other cities and uh, minor league broadcasts. I've tried to do it myself and I'm sure it sounded like wallpaper. But, you know, listening to him all those years with different partners, whether it be Josh Lewin, Wayne Randazzo over the course of the years that I was there. I mean, it's it's amazing how he can, again, do a million things at once, keep it informative, keep it entertaining all at the same time. Oh, I, I agree with you. And the way he he really builds up his partners, like you said, Wayne Randazzo, Josh Lewin, now Keith Rad, they, they just so they, they gain so much experience and knowledge with, with sitting next to Howie Rose. I wanted to ask you why you chose Hofstra, because there's other big radio schools. We always hear of, of Syracuse. We always hear of Fordham. We know, uh, you know, they have very good alumni. But why did you uh, choose Hofstra? Well, I got into Syracuse, but I I got a lot more money from Hofstra. So straight up, that's going to be go. one, big, one big factor. I didn't sure, graduate sure. with uh, $100,000 of debt, which I would have at Syracuse. So that, that was a big factor. Uh, also, Hofstra, the radio station there is unfreaking believable. I was actually going to go to St. John's and I was going to major in sports management and I was going to do the radio station. I visited the radio station. I mean, it was a closet with a microphone in it at the time. I'm sure it's stepped up now. 
but that was that was what I saw. And then at Hofstra, what they did was I got into the Honors College there and they had the opportunity to spend a night on campus. Uh, so you'd like sleep in a dorm. So I said, oh, this would be great. I can skip out on school and you know get a college experience for a night. Oh, this is going to be an absolute blast. And I did that and it, it was fun. And then the person I was with had a friend who worked at the radio station. So the next morning, I went with this guy and he brought me over to the radio station after, you know, seeing what I saw at the other school. I was amazed what I saw at Hofstra. I mean, it was like a first class establishment. I mean, it was nicer than the radio station I worked at at WALK on Long Island. It was brand new. It was spiffy. It was bright. Uh, you had multiple studios to work out of. I, you had everything you could possibly want. And I lucked into the fact that the sports department was really teeming with hungry people who were incredibly talented. Jared Greenberg is someone who is a year older than me and had a, a big influence on me. And he's now uh, big in the NBA. On You see him on the TB, TNT broadcast uh, doing the sideline and pops up on TV when I'm out at the bars every once in a while. I'm like, oh, there's Jared. Uh, and there's a number of other guys there that were very influential as well. And of course, uh, the, you know, the biggest key was having Ed Ingalls there, the longtime WCBS uh, sports radio mm -hmm. veteran. And Ed was just positive and cheerful all the time so encouraging of, of college students but also able to tell you hey you know let's improve this uh you know and and to give all those tips and really make us prepared for the professional world so uh yeah so the the scholarship money was a big factor uh you know because i i was the same way i wanted to go to syracuse when i was young but uh, Hofstra ended up being i think the absolute best decision for a variety of reasons and you know i I would put my college experience up against anyone at Syracuse. Now it seems, you know, there's like a network thing that happens afterwards where maybe they have right. a little bit of a, a leg up, but you know, my Hofstra connections help me work my way up a little bit. And right. I think, you know, again, having the opportunity to call the games that I did to work with the people that I did, I would, I wouldn't have gotten that at Syracuse. You know, Pete, I love radio history. I love history in general. We do a lot of baseball history on this show. And uh, even though it's supposed to it's supposed to be current and history, I think we tend to go towards history. So, you know, I go way back with the with the radio uh, sports. Art Russ Jr. is somebody as a kid I listened to all the time. He was on ABC. He was one of the first to have uh, like a sports talk show. There are some voices when I hear on the radio and I'm like, there's so and so and they're on. So Your voice is that. I got to tell you, you are when I hear you, because I mean, whether you're on CBS or FAN or wherever you are, like that's Pete McCarthy. <laughs> I mean, you have such a and it's you always have a very mellow tone about you. You're always so I, I just wanted to say that, that you're a pleasure to listen to. Well, thank you. That's uh, that's very kind. I mean, you know, I just at this point just do my updates, uh, usually on Sundays and on a variety of stations, but, uh, but that's, that's very cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fun to think about, you know, the, the lineage of, of New York radio and all the history of it. And I got a sense of it, you know, WOR wasn't a station that was first and foremost for me growing up. I listened to the fan. I listened to sports talk. That was what I was interested in. And then once you, you kind of get in the seat, you start learning all the different names that, that came before and the, you know, the history of it, it becomes, uh, yeah, you know, you're you're a part of it, a small part right. of it. <laughs> and, and the people that you've interviewed are like a who's who. Oh, wow. and you know, and, and I want to get to that in a moment. But 
you kind of, I got to tell you, you kind of burst my bubble a little bit. And I'll tell you why. Here you go. go ahead, <laughs> I get shot. on the guest. When Jeff and I do this, and we have, we've been blessed to have so many wonderful guests. And oftentimes they'll say to us, that's a very good question. And I always think, all right, we got, so, <laughs> we got a good question. Well, I heard you say something where you said, if somebody says, that's a very good question. Yeah. It's not, it's not such a good question. I <laughs> and tend I, to think and, that. Yeah. I tend, I tend to think when people say that's a very good question, it means they have no answer for what you just asked. Yeah. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it means they're killing a second because they just haven't thought that way. And then you mm-hmm. get something really thoughtful. And sometimes you just, they, they'll shut down or they'll give you, give you nonsense <laughs> afterwards. Just pay, listen to that. I mean, you, I loved interviewing. I, the, trying to pluck stories out of people and often you have different things, right? Like I'm, I'm here. I want to give you guys everything, right? I'm just, you know, let's, let's shoot it and tell stories and and everything. But you know, when I would interview, say like Sandy Alderson on the show, I mean, to me, that was like interviewing the president at the time, the general manager of the Mets. He's the one making the decisions. So like getting him on the show is big and, and you have to, you only have so much time. He's lawyerly and will eat up all the minutes if you let him you gotta steer him around you gotta get him where you want him to go but he will answer your questions if you ask it properly but all that right like not putting someone on the defensive and and trying to get something thoughtful out of them i i just there's a a science to it that that some people are excellent at but how you phrase questions is, is interesting but that was always yeah that's a great question and always kind of meant to me there's a good chance it's not going to go anywhere <laughs> because they have no idea what I just asked uh, or or whatever it might be. But it, I guess it depends. Just listen to that in the future. When someone says, that's a great question, what what follows? Exactly. Right. That's, yeah. Now, I, now I'm going to focus on that. We uh, we actually had fortune enough to have Sandy Olsen on our show, which was uh, an honor. It was great. great. And we learned, we learned so much when he was on our show. It was terrific. How long ago did you have him on? Oh, uh, was that two years ago now? Yeah, then? it was. So it was so you're right still with the Mets. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as yes, so <laughs> yes, yeah. it was the lockout. So yeah. it was right. during the lockout. We contacted him, and and th- we've told this story before. But I'll just tell it quickly. We're driving in the car. We're we're coming at we're coming back from a uh, from a thing in Connecticut. Actually, it was a uh, a Valentine's. baseball card show, right? Yeah. Um, Bobby, who's been on a couple of times, we mm-hmm. were talking to him, and. We had somebody in the car who had his information and said, "You want you guys want to try and get Sandy on the show?" Yeah, right. Okay. So I called the number. I get a voicemail. I, I don't even think it was. I think it was like automated. So I left a message. All of a sudden, five minutes later, I see flashing on the screen a number, and I pick up, and he's like, "Hi, this is Sandy." <laughs> Sandy, <laughs> he called us back. <laughs> and That's great. We told him who we were. You know, because look. We are an independent podcast, right? We yeah. love doing this. I mean, this is, you know, not, 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 not getting rich yeah, <laughs> not yeah. at all. And, and, you know, but so he called back and we told him who we were and all this. And he said, okay, call Monday, contact, you know, my office and uh, we'll set something up. It's great. And he's a man of his word. So he came on. Yes. The only thing he couldn't discuss was the current roster. He could talk oh. about everything else but he couldn't talk about the current roster because of the lockout okay we had him on the metrospective podcast and it was actually between his stints so he was very open and 
talked about, you know, stories from the 2015 team and season and and all this kind of stuff. And then it, it was like months later, all of a sudden he's back. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, look at this. But yeah, it's uh he's a guy that if you if you get the right question in on him, he he'll give you a revealing answer. He won't cheat you of it. But if you don't phrase it exactly right, you give him the escape hatch, he he knows exactly where to go. Oh yeah. He also uh, interviewed David Wright, which uh, was a great, great player. And so said that his, his, his you know, he had to retire early because I'm sure he would have been in the Hall of Fame. But how did that interview go? Yeah, that was around the same time as the Sandy interview with the Metrospective. And I, I interviewed David a, a few other times when I was at WOR. But, uh, but yeah, that was cool because, you know, again, it, you get guys while they're playing. I don't know. They had their guard up. They're doing a million interviews. It, it just, you know, but we get them after. And especially like soon after, like David, it had only been maybe two years since he had retired. He was very open into it. Uh, obviously, yeah, I think he had the book coming out with Anthony DeComo not long after. Uh, so he was, you know, probably in the mode of telling a lot of these stories, but not doing it over and over and over on a, a daily basis. So, yeah, I mean, I just remember him being gregarious and, and friendly and, you know, the David every every Mets fan knows. Sure. Any, was there any ball players that you, uh, that you wanted to get interviews with that you weren't able to get? Uh, I can't think of anyone that I'd never, never got that I wanted huh. to. I'll tell you my favorite interview is actually a Mets rival. And we, we had him on, it was game. It was right before game five, of the division series against the Dodgers in 2015. So it was kind of like an anxious time. But Jacob DeGrom was starting that game. So we we had a guy on from Jacob's, I don't think it's his hometown, but his home area named uh, Larry Jones. And I was like, if the Mets lose this game, I'm going to get crucified for having this guy on the show. But but Schiffer was unbelievable on the show. It was a great interview. Uh, he said, let's go Mets in it. And he let me call him Larry for a while. <laughs> and it was just like a great sport. He told great stories. Uh, the the game after 9-11 being at Shea Stadium for that and, and how he he had uh, he took one of the shell casings from the 21 gun salute. And, and that's one of his treasured relics from his career, uh, souvenirs from his career. And, and you know, great stories rooting for Jacob. Like, it's just a he was just a fun guy to have on. And so, yeah, that was that was a thrill. And I I hated him growing up. Right. As a Mets fan. <laughs> we all did. <laughs> yeah. But he was uh, he was fantastic. My favorite interview ever. So unexpected. Uh-huh. And you had um, well, you he was a surprise guest. I love how you did it. You're like, I've never had a surprise guest. So just tell me who you are. <laughs> it was there was no guessing. You're just like, tell me who you are. <laughs> and it was Jim Brewer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he was very was good at the end. Yeah. And then what was funny was, you know, you listen to these, um, you know, because I, I don't get to listen to them all as they happen. So I'm going course, back yeah. and I'm listening and you hear some people and they're saying, well, I think we're going to have a good year and we should keep so and so and this should happen. And then, you know, of course, now I can look at it and say, no, you were wrong. <laughs> you, were, you were very wrong. Everything in that 2017, 18 era <laughs> yeah. was pretty wrong, I guess. There was there was no right answer uh, with some of those <laughs> those years. Who would have thought the right answer would come in 2015, the way things were going in, in July that year? I just remember, like, they had that lineup. Was it early July, late June? Eric Campbell's, like, hitting cleanup. Uh, I forget. Oh, yeah. 
forget the other Mayberry. player who was there. John Mayberry. Yeah. It was John Mayberry. There you go. That's exactly right. It was like those two hitting four or five in the Mets lineup. And it, what are we doing here to get no hit by Chris Heston, if that was the same year? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And then who would have thought, right? They get Cespedes at the deadline and the Flores stuff and then all the magic that just when it really boggles the mind. I mean, Daniel Murphy totally changed as a player in the span sure. of a month in front of your eyes, like a totally different approach as a player. So, yeah, I mean, that 2015 run, that was that was as much fun as I had doing any of this because talk radio, I mean, you are in it. And especially with me being at WOR, it wasn't like, oh, it's July, the Mets stink, let's start talking Jets-Giants. I, I was on WOR where only Mets fans knew there was a sports show. Uh, so right. nobody else was <laughs> listening and saying, hey, let right. me call in about the Brooklyn Nets tonight. Mm. And it, it took me a little while to learn that. But it it was a Mets show, Mets station. So the Mets were bad. It it wasn't very fun, right? It, you're just getting angry calls. And, and that oh, works yeah. for a night or two. And you can have a good show. But it it does wear on you. And then after a while, those angry calls aren't there anymore. And nobody cares. So right. it's, uh, you know, you can only talk about draft picks for so long in Major League Baseball. So, uh, yeah, it, it was nice when they were good. And that 2015 run being how unexpected it was and and how amazing and how long it went. Uh, I just, all my fondest memories of that time, my, my life professionally are, are around that, that year, whether it be the, the Flores night, the, the night they won, they won the pennant or not the pennant, the, the night they clinched the division. It was uh, right. in Cincinnati. I actually married my friend in Pennsylvania and I missed the pregame, but I drove back and made the postgame show. And then I was hosting the, real post game because Wayne Randazzo is in the clubhouse doing the interviews. And then I remember just finishing that day and being like, that was unbelievable. <laughs> just get to do all these amazing things. And uh, yeah, now it's time to get dinner. Yeah. Um, Wait, so did was, you officiate? You said you married your yeah. friend. You were the, you officiated. So yeah. I was a, what, you did you know, take I, a course online? No, no, I just, you know, razzle dazzle. You're married. But <laughs> they're, they're real. The real magic happened somewhere else. But yeah, I just, <laughs> wrinkled some fairy dust on it and held a microphone <laughs> said some words okay Pete, you also you also had the opportunity to interview people in front of a live audience because i remember you at qbc at the queen's baseball convention and yeah. i i want to say it was daryl strawberry was that right yeah i did daryl once okay yeah, you did daryl okay daryl was cool right. i remember uh brandon nimmo because brandon nimmo always- yeah I was always nervous with the current players because the current players, a lot of times, like I, I talked about a little bit earlier, especially during the season, they got stuff going on. They they, uh-huh. they don't want to do a 15 minute thoughtful interview. Right? right. Like, so some guys are more talkative than others. I didn't know Brandon that well at the time. I think that week I was saying they should trade him for Josh Harrison. And all of a sudden I'm interviewing him at QBC. But anyway, I, I said to him before, I was like, oh, this is going to be an hour long interview. So if you've got stories, like, let me know a little bit and, you know, I'll, I'll try to tee you up, you know, whatever. He's like, oh, it'll, it'll be fine. I was like, you know, long answers are good. Feel free to, you know, chat a little bit because the least thing you want is someone who's not, you know, very talkative. And as we know now, Brandon, Brandon can talk a little bit. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> it was amazing that day because Brandon, Brandon Nimmo was not like fan favorite Brandon Nimmo. He was first round pick who he's like a fourth outfielder. What are we doing with this guy? Trade him for Josh Harrison, right? Like th- this was the conversation at the time. He hadn't broken out yet. And it felt like he won over everybody, every Mets fan in that room that day 
at the QVC. And then, yeah, everybody else found out later when he started producing on the field. But he became extremely easy to root for that day. He was unbelievable, just uh, incredibly friendly. Questions for me, questions to the fans, uh, took everything thoughtfully and, and, and gave great answers and was fun. Uh, so, yeah, it, you know, Daryl's great, too. I'm not meaning it, but I just remember Brandon Nimmo, right? Because it was oh, like, yeah. oh, you're a personality. You could talk all day. You can uh, do all this. And then, you know, he's become he's he's on a he's on a I don't know about a short list, but, you know, you talk about all time great Mets. He's, yeah. you know, he, top he's 20, getting, right? He's, he's getting not, up there. He's, he's, he's getting guy, there. Yeah. He's yeah, getting there. The yes. Yeah. You're, you're one of an eight year contract. So right. theoretically, he's going to have a chance right. to yes. you know, really put up some of those numbers and be the right. career med. And hopefully he has the good health that, you know, a guy like David Wright didn't. And, uh, you know, he, he may not be right or Reyes in that way, but, you know, he's going to be, you know, that that next that next line, that next tier yeah. of, yeah. of yeah. Mets. Yeah, I, I believe uh, that same QBC, Chris Flexen was there as well. I, yeah. I believe that was yeah. the same year. Yeah, yeah, Flexen was there. I interviewed. I did a sit down with Keith Hernandez at one. That was it. Wasn't a QBC, but it was a similar event. That was that was fun. That was cool. That was a thrill. And it was yeah, he's doing his book tour. So it's, it's interesting to learn so much about Keith. I don't think the second part of that book has come out yet. I don't know if he's working on that because uh, he did all the Cardinals years and then it kind of stops. So right. I, I haven't seen if uh, if he's got the Mets. Well, I imagine I'll I'll see it when it comes. And then, yeah, I, I can't remember uh, all the names that went through, but yes, that that was always a that was always a thrill and getting to you know meet some of the legendary Mets and also you know just hang out and have a drink with some fans and sure. put faces to names, people calling into the show, whatever it might be. That was that was always a, a great event, and it was like right across the street from my apartment most of those years at Catch right. in Astoria. Yeah, catch. So I like that. Story, yeah, <laughs> that's right. You moved, it. yeah. <laughs> And we actually had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to no, what am I saying? A couple of weeks ago it was last week. Well, when this comes out, it'll be a couple of weeks or so. But we met uh, Daryl at uh, the New York State Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, we met Daryl Strawberry. We were seated at Todd Zeal's table with Jay Horowitz. He was at the same table. Chris Chambliss was there getting inducted as well, and uh, Curtis Granderson. So, ah. and there were others getting inducted that all have something to do with New York baseball being from New York, but it's a great event. And I stood next to Daryl and I show people the picture. I'm like, we never realized he was so tall and I'm glad that they don't say, and we never realized you were so short, but you know, he <laughs> towers over me and yeah. he shook my hand. Pete, have you ever shaken Daryl's hand? Yes. I, it's I, like I, a vice grip. Yeah, I remember shaking Brian Howard's hand and it just like enveloped my hand. It was like putting it in a bag and I maybe I got used to it after that. But yeah, I, that's the one that I remember. And he didn't he Brian didn't squeeze it. Thank God. But uh, yes, it was just OK. These guys are different. <laughs> and, and Pete, take me into I, I want to get into the head of Pete McCarthy. And this is just a funny thing or whatever. But I am sure whether it's been on your show at these QVC events, whatever you must have, you you seem like you'd be very kind and respectful, and and you know not to where you would tell people they were insane. But I am sure there have been some trades that have been bandied about that you must think to yourself what you what you want to say and what you do say because I would just say there are some insane trades. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's part of the fun. 
Honestly, one of the ones I remember. So when I was at WOR, I hosted quite a bit with Sal Licata in the later years. And I loved hosting with Sal because Sal's Sal's the total opposite of me. Sal is is fire and brimstone and you know, it's just gut feel. And I'm right. very in my head about things and want to research uh, you know, and, and and like dive into stats and all this kind of stuff. And we just like naturally disagreed over everything in sports and then, you know, got along at the same time. We're from very nearby. And I, I remember just arguing with him about uh, trading Jacob DeGrom for Mike Trout. And I was like, well, well, when, if you can get Mike Trout, you get Mike Trout, right? That's that's the one that I remember. And I don't know at this point, I guess they're both hurt so much. It wouldn't have mattered. But uh, <laughs> you know, Jacob's not, not here anymore. So it's not as if, you know, it's some golden goose at this point. But yeah, I mean, that's one I remember. Yes, I liked I always liked talking about trades. I mean, that was one of the things that I liked. You know, I remember list, sitting in my bedroom, listening to the fan. And, you know, trade deadline was the best. You just have people throwing all these crazy trades out there. And then maybe one of them comes through a couple of weeks later. You're like, aha, so, you know, this guy from New Paltz knew that this was going to happen. It was I always liked that stuff. Yeah. Let me ask you about when you were co-hosting the Orange and Blue Thing podcast, because that was such a different thing than doing your other podcast or working on your radio show. This was a completely different. You're in, a, a I believe, a warehouse in Hop Hog you're doing this yeah. out of. So tell us about it. you work with Daryl because you're not really talking about you know the 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 strategy of the of the game it's more the experience. Yeah, it it was it was definitely different in that way, and because I was doing two Mets podcasts at once, so I had the one with the Athletic with Tim Britton, and then I was doing the podcast with Darren for the Seven Line Orange and Blue thing, and the Athletic was kind of like, well, we don't want you doing two podcasts. Listen to the other one; it's totally different. It's not about the X's and O's. I mean, with Tim Britton. Uh, we talk about, you know, left brain, right brain, right? Like, uh, you know, from your gut or from your brain. I mean, Tim Britton, extremely thoughtful. Like, read read his pieces of The Athletic, like, ahead of the offseason. He has mapped out, like, arbitration numbers, and they should make this trade, and he'll, he'll list out 4,000 reasons. I mean, it's extremely thoughtful. So, you know, that was going to be, like, hardcore Mets stuff. And then with Darren, it was, yes, the, the experience of the game, hanging out, making jokes, uh, and and I would, you know, bring some of the Mets analysis because that's what I do, what I bring to the table. Uh, but yeah, it was a very, very different show. It was great. Darren always treated me very well. I used to take the train out to Hop Hog and he would pick me up and and drive me to the the studio, as it were. And he had a great setup in there. I, I give him immense credit. And, and when you see people up close, sometimes you, you learn a little bit. But Darren would just attack anything and learn everything about it. Darren knew more about putting together a podcast than I ever would, ever did. And he would go out, get the equipment and, and put it together. And he had it going live on Twitter and live on Facebook. And it's on Instagram. And it's all doing this at the same time. And, you know, he, he talked to someone who could hook it up for him. And and he loved all that stuff. He loved diving into it. And it's, you know, he's, he's not just making T-shirts there. You know, he's doing <laughs> a whole empire. So it was cool to be around someone who is taking just like hungry to learn everything and you know i've been around a lot of uh, business people right uh someone who starts a business uh starts with an e and i'm just blanking on the word for no reason but yeah, i haven't been around that a lot and just the the interest and creative energy it takes to do all these different things at the same time is is amazing to be around 
and you also indulge in an adult beverage or two while while doing the show. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I like to drink beers, so that was that was cool. Yeah, that was a plus. You know, it's funny. You look you look up Pete McCarthy on the internet. And uh, you don't realize how how popular a name it is. And mm. I happen to see, and I I'm sure this isn't you, but there's a podcast. I I maybe this is giving them a plug, but it's called "My Wife Is Going to Kill Me," oh. and and it has three hosts, and one of them is Pete McCarthy. But it's not you. Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm hoping to avoid that fate. There's an author. So I haven't. I I'm not your top google rank if you put in my name there's an author out of ireland named pete mccarthy and he used to just travel around ireland going to pubs and he'd write books about it this guy had it all figured out man i read <laughs> i read his book mccarthy's bar it's actually very interesting i only read it because a friend got it for me in england uh, in ireland because he saw it had the the same name and he thought it was funny and uh yeah but pete mccarthy he runs i don't think he does the podcast because he's since passed but uh amazing amazing writer so yeah, one day maybe I'll get there, but I think I think I'm gonna have to like do something extra to. I don't think it'll be the broadcast thing that puts me over here. I have to like run for office or something. I don't know. <laughs> the other thing is that uh, I, I'm wondering. I mean, you have so much, you know, with all the uh, radio shows and everything. Are you at the point now where people are reaching out to you to to get you to work for them, or are you still? I mean, my whole thing has changed. I, I was in New York. Uh, like I said earlier, I did WOR. I was working at like seven or eight different places and I was hustling. I mean, I was working like 100 hours a week. I would do wow. the overnight at fan, right? So you're working, mm-hmm. you know, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And then you you get up and I had a, a baby at the time. I had a baby in March of 2019. Um, so I was pushing myself in a lot of different directions and then obviously march 2020 everything stopped and once it stopped i most of my work stopped there weren't any sports right Mm, so right and then i kind of took a breath and was like all right like what's what's my plan here where am i going i'm doing all these things like do i want to be an overnight host at the fan if a bunch of personnel changes happen is that something that's realistic um Am I am I holding on for something at SNY? Is there a show that I fit on there? Am I am I trying to do play by play and and get into that game? Uh, and I just uh, when everything stopped, it was like right, you know I'd be a dad too. Um, and and yeah, so was it August? We moved down to Greensboro, North Carolina, and and I slowed down a lot. I don't I don't do as much as I did. I do what i can remotely uh, i haven't worked in person a whole lot down here i did a little bit um but you know I, it's great i love doing the updates and it's it's fun i can be goofy and and fan they want you to be have some fun with these updates now and you only have 60 seconds but you could do what you want with those 60 seconds and and tell a story in your own way uh, and I, I love being able to do that especially on sundays when the jets and giants are playing um so no, nobody's you know calling me up asking me to do this or that. I had I had a little run there where I was very busy and doing a million different things, and I got to live that life and do that. But it's it's a demanding life. I mean, you look at the guys who have had success in New York in recent years. Bark Malusis. I mean, he was he was doing CBS Sports Radio morning shows six a.m. to ten a.m. 
And then he would do SNY at night and be on Sports Night after all those games and working that full day. Uh, Sal, Sal Akata doing the overnight at Fan and then doing all the SNY stuff. And now he does the middays and he has the, the cushy gig there. I mean, that's that's the best if you can get it. Uh, Ted to two, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just it it's a lot if you're trying to do that. You have to do a lot of different things, make it work in a lot of different areas. Um, and it got, it got, it got tough to, to keep that up. So, so yeah, no, my phone's not ringing off the hook, but that's okay. Well, we'll call you. (laughs) Yeah, we'll call you. Oh, this is nice. (laughs) And, and you know, the, the, um, I I almost lost my train of thought. Um, oh, I'll do that. I was going to say, you know, terrestrial radio has changed a lot. Sports are, are always going to be around, but radio has changed a lot. And now. You know, satellite radio has become big. Sure. So, I mean, you've been on Sirius XM. Mm-hmm. Um, how's it working uh, at Sirius? Yeah, yeah. I I do the updates there for the MLB channel and the NFL right. channel. Uh, so I'm not I'm not in the day to day of mm-hmm. the the operation at Sirius at this point. But yeah, I I listen to Sirius all the time. Pearl Jam Radio is kind of my my go to, and I'll you know obviously listen to some baseball games and whatever I could find on there, uh, whatever I'm interested in, in in a given night. And occasionally the NFL and MLB channels, if I want, want my sports talk, but uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, everything is accessible now, no matter what you want, you can find it. And obviously podcasts, you can go narrow and just, Hey, all I care about is the Mets. Give me Mets stuff. Uh, I don't, I don't listen to any jets podcasts. I'm jet nut. That's where all my emotional energy has ended up going after all these years unfortunately uh and i i i know i I know exactly who i want to seek out right to get the latest of what's happening with the jets to get the opinion i want to get the people i go to and everybody has that for different sports different things so yeah whether it's audio or not you can find whatever you want now so it's uh you know as a consumer it's great because you can always get what you want but as a when you're creating these things it's hard to it's very hard to break through and get attention after a while and you know, the best way to do it, obviously, is to get into one of those perches, right, where you're, uh, you know, like I was at WOR with the Mets, you could become the, the Mets guy in a way. Uh, but, you know, they also want you to bring an audience to them now, whereas they're not going to, you know, ESPN isn't looking to create stars anymore. ESPN wants to bring in somebody who has 900,000 TikTok followers and mm, make them part right. of the operation. So this is that's been a big turn over the last 15 sure. years. Sure. Well, Pete, we really enjoyed having you on. Uh, before we let you go, anything? Uh, what's next for Pete McCarthy? Uh, just adding it up. You know, I had a big day today. Uh, my my now four year old had a, a field trip, so I went with her to see the Wizard of Oz at oh, Carolina nice. Theater in downtown Greensboro with their whole class. So, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that's next. Uh, yeah. so, you know, and I like I said, you can hear me on the afternoons on fan doing the updates, and I've been doing a lot of quite a few mornings on, on wins on the weekends too. So I'm around and I love to, my, my updates usually aren't just, you know, somebody threw three touchdowns. I try to, to throw some fun in there. Uh, oh, yeah. I've given some takes in my life. So, you know, I can mix them in on the, the updates a little bit and try to keep it fun, keep it light. Uh, so yes. So, uh, yeah, you still hear me doing that professionally, but, uh, personally, you know, it's, it's strange not being in New York it still is after three years, but it's been, it's been a great, move for uh for my family to be down here and uh you know all is well 
Well, enjoy, I, yeah. Yes. Enjoy your family while you can. Enjoy your kids, you know, and uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's important. And, they, and, you, if, you, and you if you don't mind, I just thought of one more. Mm-hmm. Uh, since you mentioned you're a, a Jet fan, uh, how, how about Zach Wilson? Is he the answer? Or is, is, uh... You're going to see, now you're getting the profanity out. But he's horrible. <laughs> he's absolutely horrible. I mean, I went, I, I, I fly to one Jet game a year. Um, I didn't have to fly the first year because the Jets opened up here in Carolina against my guy, Sam Darnold, who they don't, they don't really like here anymore. But uh, yeah, I flew up for the opener this year and paid hundred dollars for the tickets and the nosebleeds. And uh, yeah, it was like, what, four plays in. And then uh, you're like, Oh, he got off on his feet. Maybe it'll be okay. Maybe it'll be okay. And I, I then someone said there was a cart and he left on a cart and you're at the game. So you don't know what's going on. And like, Oh, that doesn't sound good. And then I don't know. I heard someone behind me say Achilles. And I was, Oh God, it's, it's over. It's over. And I, Zach Wilson is absolutely atrocious. He's atrocious. I've watched a lot of bad quarterbacks. Yeah, I've watched a lot of yeah. bad quarterbacks. I consider myself an expert in bad quarterbacks. He's the worst quarterback I've watched. And I don't, you know, I look, I don't want to just kick him when he's down because it's obvious, but it's obvious. He's <laughs> it stinks because it, you know, the rest of the team is there. A lot of the, you know, not the, look the offensive line, the receivers, but that defense is unbelievable. You build a great defense. Great defenses don't last in the NFL. You get two three good years out of a right. great defense unless you got ray lewis ed reed back there it, it's fleeting and a uh it really feels like you know that the window could close again real fast so it's it's hard pete you you and joe benigno should uh <laughs> joe, i used to love doing joe's show because he interrupts you during the update and like some people get so frustrated with it i thought it was great like i would intentionally throw things in there to try to get evan and joe to oh hey like you know <laughs> perk them up get their ears going like oh Rutgers selling beers at football games now and like it doesn't belong in a 2020 <laughs> who cares but it would get them fired up so I'd throw that kind of stuff in it used to be fun but uh yeah yeah I you never know, I never had him like on on where we can interact about the chats but he's he would be me on steroids oh, yeah. he's <laughs> on steroids but he'd be saying oh the pain oh, the, the pain, pain. Like, wrong man you know I bucked <laughs> against it for so long and it's just yeah you know it's not that bad or you know let's not let's not over dramatize it bring the whole history the same old i hate same old jets same old jets drives me nuts but now now i'm aging into it it's sad yeah. i got you know, already the, on the horizon i'm like aging into it it's just yeah. they're it's just how it is it's just how it is like we can't have nice things right you know the family guy with uh you know here's the pitch and the season's <laughs> over that yeah. is actually just about how that jets game went four yes. plays in and the season's over. Yeah. Yes. No, and that's a Mets to... joke, you know? I, I, how did I get? I grew up in New York, right? You had the Yankees <laughs> have won five World Series. <laughs> I've been, the Giants have won three Super Bowls I've watched. The Rangers have won a Stanley Cup in my lifetime. How, how did I get stuck with the Mets, the Jets, the Islanders, and the Knicks? Look, <laughs> I'm 39. I ain't that young. I didn't see the Mets win in 86. I was two. We can't be mm. counting that. All right. If you If I say... My sporting consciousness began in 1990. That is 30 years. Times that by four. Yeah. And cry to me about the freaking Cubs. Right. That's 120 seasons. And it's more than that if I count it up. I had an Excel sheet previously and I stopped updating it. (laughs) Because that week in June is always terrible when the hockey team wins and the NBA team wins. I hate it. 
But I've watched 120 seasons of professional sports and never seen a team win a championship. And I grew up in New York. I didn't grow up in some small market like, hey, we're happy to have a team. Right. (laughs) New York. I've seen all the other teams win. I've seen the Patriots win how many times? The rival boss of Philly, right? How is that possible? I just, I can't. It it, it brings me to a bad place. And I just, I can't. I can't get out of it. I don't know if you guys are in the same boat, but now oh, the Giants, yeah. the Giants and Yankees stink too. So it's kind of yeah, everybody, I guess. No. I, I mean, I'm a little older than you. I do remember the Islanders winning the four Stanley oh. Cups, but uh, but that's what forty over forty years. Yeah, ago, so. I've only seen it on VHS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pete, we hope this brought you some happiness, and we thank you it for did. being on the show. It's oh, been really. great, and thanks so much for thinking of me and having me on, Jeff and Len. This has been fun, and thanks thanks for not going too hard on me on the uh, the barbecue failures. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we really appreciate it, Pete. You, you're wonderful, and we thank you very much. Thank you very much. Be good, gents. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast, and if you like barbecue and you like baseball, then you have to listen to Baseball and BBQ with Jeff and Lynn. They always have the best guests from the world of baseball and the world of barbecue all in one little package. So check it out. Baseball and BBQ with Len and Jeff. Okay, guys, take it away. And thank you, Pete, for joining us on Baseball and BBQ. I remember when he was the pregame announcer for the uh, New York Mets. Yes. Of course, yes, I do. And I remember we saw him uh, on opening day that year. On opening day, yeah, we made right? a, he was. We made, we made an impression. Absolutely, he, <laughs> he remembered us walking by his booth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Pete, Pete, hey, here we are, Pete. <laughs> but yeah, now great interview with him, and like I said, you hear that voice, you just right away. That's Pete McCarthy. So Jeff, I I know. We're going to get to, boy, this is a tease. We're going to get to your special moment. But let me just tell everybody that it's almost time. Believe it or not, it's getting so close to the warm weather. All right, maybe not that close, but it's getting there. Go to BaseballBBQ.com. You've got to get ready. Get your grilling tools and accessories. You need a cutting board shaped like home plate. You need spatula, tongs. Baseball bat handles, baseballbbq.com. Get them engraved the way you want them. You're not going to be sorry. Go there. Absolutely. And now it's time for Baseball Quote of the Week. For me, this battle of wits and balance of talent between the hitter and the pitcher is baseball. Everything else is secondary. That is Keith Hernandez. Who should be in the Hall of Fame. Yes. I have to add that. Especially since we just found out recently who's going in the Hall of Fame. Yes. And obviously he would have to go in by the Veterans Committee and all that jazz, but he should be in the Hall of Fame. And then, of course, I'm opening a can of worms because then you'll get other people saying this person, this person. We're not going there. Where we are going, though, is time for you to do a baseball Well, actually, Leonard, that was a pretty good segue because it is about the Hall of Fame. And I don't know if anybody who looks at Facebook every every day, all the 
Baseball fame is illegitimate because Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Pete Rosen in the Hall of Fame. Let me just tell you this. Whose fault is that? It's definitely Bud Selig's fault. He was the commissioner and the owners. He was the commissioner at the time and didn't do anything. It was Donald Fierce's fault, who was the head of the Major League Baseball Players Association, who was more concerned about protecting the steroid users than the actual players a part of his, uh, you know, lead the union. And let's not forget the players. The players are at fault. They are the one who, who, who took the drugs. So you know what? Don't give me this crap about, oh, they should be in, they should be in. You know what? It's all their fault. And let me ask you about Pete Rose. Pete Rose, look, we know he was a great player. I mean, he was a great player. But now there's people, people saying, oh, you know what? Oh, they're betting on baseball now. So, you know, they're being hypocritical. No, they're not. Yeah, you know who can't bet on baseball? Baseball players! They can't bet on baseball. Managers, umpires, coaches, owners, anybody who has a, a job in Major League Baseball cannot bet on baseball. So let's forget about all that Pete Rose stuff getting into the Hall of Fame because he bet on baseball. Because he couldn't do it then, and he can't do it now. So enough with that. All right? I'm rented out. And if you want to disagree with me or agree with me, give us a call. 516-855-8214. Email us, baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Leave a message on our Facebook page or give a message on our X page at Baseball and BBQ. Instagram, Baseball and Barbecue with barbecues all spelled out. And our website is www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, do all that stuff. Leonard. I can't believe one thing, Jeff. You are ranted out. No, I don't believe it. I know, and I'm not going to do it, but I know I could say something, and you've already demonstrated this talent. You can go, I could, I could get you going. You'll go right into another rant. So, but we're not going to do that. We'll save that for another time, but I'm sure you have plenty of rants stored up. (laughs) Anyway, let's get going to our next guest, and that is Sean Hill. You ever hear of the Texas Moonswiners? Well, you may have. You may have heard of the Texas Moonswiners. And did you know that barbecue is all the rage in high schools in Texas? That's right. Our guest is from the Texas Moonswiners. And he is dedicating a lot of time and patience and giving back to the community, to the kids, teaching them invaluable skills. And that is none other than Sean Hill. Sean, we are so, we're so glad to welcome you to the Baseball and Barbecue Podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited about talking barbecue with you guys. Before we get to the school, and and I, I read a number of articles that were written about you and the competition. So I want to get into all of that, but let's just get your backstory first. How did you get involved in in barbecue and then come up with the Texas Moonswiners and your catering operation? Give us a little background. Absolutely. So a couple of buddies that, you know, I've known for uh, 30 plus years, uh, went to high school with one of the guys and the other guy I met in college, and just really good friends, Saturdays and Sundays, watching football and baseball, grilling, cooking out, getting our families together. And we started making what we thought was some pretty good barbecue. And our families liked it and our friends liked it. 
and we sat down and, and said, hey, let's let's enter a barbecue contest. And this was probably about eight years ago. And we decided we had to come up with a name. And so all of us were teachers and coaching. And uh, we just kind of put our heads together. And, you know, we're from Texas and moon swanners. We cook pigs by the low and slow by the light of the moon. And so it all kind of came together. Uh-huh. And we entered a very small backyard competition. And the worst thing that could possibly happen happened. We swept it, completely swept it. Uh, there were probably 14 teams and we got a taste of that and we were hooked. Immediately, we decided that we were the real deal and we needed to look into getting into professional competition barbecue down here in Texas. Uh, IBCA was really big at the time. Uh, not much of the KCBS stuff, but the IBCA. And so we looked into it and there was a competition that was just right around the corner from us. And we decided that we were going to uh, go with the the big guys. Uh, it was a state championship, a Jack Daniels qualifier. There was around 60 teams and we didn't even sniff the final table on anything. And so it was a very humbling experience from, you know, figuring out real quick the difference between backyard barbecue and competition barbecue. But we didn't give up. Uh, we went back and tweaked some stuff. You know, in the barbecue world, everybody is a family. Everybody's friendly. They don't mind helping folks out, especially the new guys. And so we talked we talked to some folks and signed up for another competition that was a few weeks down the road. Went back and got a, a brisket call, uh, got 10th place brisket. And that kind of set us up with, you know, okay, we can we can do this. We can hang with the big guys and, and we can uh, compete. And so that led to us, you know, doing more barbecue competitions and more people hearing about our name and then asking if we sold and word of mouth, friends and family catered a wedding, cooked some food for a couple of friends during uh, football season and stuff just started rolling in. And so uh, that was kind of where we got started. Uh, just a group of guys hanging out, cooking barbecue and, uh, you know, just kind of throwing our hat in the ring there in the beginning. Well, what was the first smoker that you cooked on? It was a $400 pit that a guy had out in the back of his field that was pretty much rusted up, about a 120-gallon smoker just offset that I bought, cleaned it up, refabbed it, did a little bit of work, so welded some stuff on, put some grates on, threw it on a trailer, and we rolled it into town. And that started the the perpetual buying and selling of smokers and I, I my, my wife, my poor wife, uh, with there was, I think, one time that I had probably 12 smokers here at the house when I was going through fixing some of them up, using them for a little bit, and then selling them off. So, wow. Uh, you know, Len's wife gets up mad at him. He has what three or four? You have a dozen. Wow. <laughs> there, there was a time that the wife was like, You get another smoker, then you can just sleep out there with them. <laughs> And, you know, I had a trailer at the time at here at the house, uh, like a concession trailer. So I wasn't too worried about it, but I didn't want to push my luck. <laughs> That's good. You were in the U.S. Air Force Reserve for 14 years, right? Well, I actually just had my what possibly could be my final reenlistment back in December uh, for another six years. That was my 17 year. Our 17 year mark comes in uh, March of this year. 17 years of service and six more to go. Well, we thank you for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for your service. 
That's yeah. been another big outlet for barbecue is it's pretty cool to be able to uh, cater for the unit and for the base when we have our family functions and stuff too. And another reason, you know, how our name has kind of gotten out there and uh, why a lot of people are, are liking our, our barbecue. How many uh, people are on your team? I see a picture on Facebook. Uh, it seems five, but is that all, all you have? So there are the two younger guys. Matt Bean is the short guy and Jonah Allen is the guy with the really nice thick beard. And then the older gentleman that you probably see in the picture is that's my dad. He's one of the our biggest or was you know, one of our biggest supporters before he passed and has always been part of the team. Yeah, that's that's us. Uh, a lot of times, though, because we all teach and coach different sports, sometimes it's it's three, sometimes it's one. The last big competition that I did was in Rockwall, and I took a, a reserve uh, with just myself and two Weber Smoky Mountains and a Weber Kettle. Yeah, oh, nice, nice. You said you uh, will coach, and I know you coached uh, basketball, football, and track, and you left all that behind to start this barbecue club. Yes, sir. After about ten years of coaching football and and the other sports, I saw a. Uh, an episode on the Food Network called Varsity Barbecue, and there was one episode, and it got my it, it sparked my interest and got my my juices flowing, and I started asking around, and I asked the assistant principal at the campus that I'm on uh, now that I wasn't at that time, you know, why they didn't have barbecue because I'm at a CTE campus where we've got drones and robots and culinary and graphic design and everything else. And he said, man, we've been trying to get somebody to start a barbecue club here for the last two years. And I said, I know a guy It was, I basically had my interview and had my paper, my transfer paperwork in that spring. Uh, we were ready to rock and roll in the fall. Nice. Now we all know, Texas high school football in Texas is huge. Yeah, I mean, sir. and you uh, left that behind to go to barbecue. I, you know, I when I first got into teaching and coaching, my goal as a as a as a coach in Texas was to become a head coach and take a team, you know, to a state title. And as I had kids, and as I continued, decided to stay uh, in the Air Force Reserves for until I at least hit twenty. Uh, priorities changed. And, you know, there's a there's a lot of work that goes in into that. And it's not that I didn't want to do the work. It's just that my family and being able to to spend time with them versus spending 120 hours a week at the school. I decided that I wanted to kind of step away from that. And the opportunity presented itself. And, you know, we it, it's it's been awesome. We started out with four kids and using my smokers, my personal smokers, and this year we have five teams. I have 27 kids. We compete wow. in two two barbecue leagues. And in one of the leagues, we're last year's reigning state champions. Nice. Wow. But, you know, that is I, – I, I don't know if – if that would ever catch on in New York, but it would, it, it's a shame because I would have loved that when well, I was in I know school. That, I know that Mike, uh, the the director, the principal of uh, one of the leagues that we compete mm -hmm. in, he has been talking to New Jersey teams, uh, okay. schools in New Jersey. He's been all over the United States. He's a huge proponent of this, trying to get it spread out. Last year in his league, we competed at the national level against teams from Missouri and I don't, you know, if y'all are, if you talk to him, I don't want to steal any of his thunder, but I know that this year the the national championships will be in Missouri. And as more teams from different states come on, then that thing's going to be bouncing around all over the place in the U.S. 
Well, we do have an interview set up with Mike Erickson. Uh, we will be talking to him, and we'll we'll, we'll talk to him all about that, Leonard. That's fair. So, Sean, take us through. You start with this. You, you're in a school. They don't have it. Now, all of a sudden, you're starting this. Is it a club in the school? It's okay. it's an extracurricular activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet one day a week during the season just to make sure that we've got you know all of our stuff together inventory of seasoning, spices, sauces, injections, all that stuff. We practice our trimming of brisket, ribs, and chicken. And then we typically have uh, one or two practice cooks where we'll come up on a Saturday. We'll come in early in the morning like the the competition starts, and then they go through everything. And I'm at the practice. I'm there to to kind of be right beside them and walk them through it and remind them of things. And then, then we go to the competitions and compete. And so, it's it's really easy if a school is wanting to get it started. All you have to have is a as someone on staff that's willing to sponsor it. Registration fees uh, in both leagues is only two hundred dollars, and that's to get you where you can compete. And then the competitions are two hundred dollars for each competition that you enter. If you host a competition, that money's going back to the host school, and so it's kind of a fundraiser uh, for the host school. You know, the most expensive thing right now, it didn't used to be, but right now is is the meat and the practicing, being able to, you know, go out. I've got five teams, so you're looking at buying five briskets and 10 racks of ribs and 10 chickens. And, you know, if you're going to do more than one or two practices, now you're starting to look at a couple of hundred dollars every time you do that. But we've been lucky and had some really good local businesses sponsor and make donations and donate meat. And it hasn't been a hard you know, thing to start. It's just been, you know, now that it's growing, keeping up and figuring out, you know, the differences between running one team and four kids versus running five teams and 27 kids. I, I, I'm i blessed to have been a seventh grade football coach because I think that that's the only other thing that's like herding cats and being able to to manage all the different personalities and the different learning styles. And you've got kids with knives and fires and, you know, so it's, it, but like I said, it's, it's been, it's been fun. Another thing that schools do is they get competitors to help be mentors to the teams. And I will tell you, you know, when we got into it on the personal side, we were humbled pretty quickly. And so I didn't hesitate to reach out to a local competitor that is, has won lots of grand champions and was a points leader in IBCA and, he was more than welcome. I mean, excited, you know, just to be able to to mentor the kids and being able to have someone that's done it professionally and been extremely successful come in and, you know, tweak the little things. I mean, it's all the same. It's trimming, it's seasoning, it's it's on the fire, it's time management, but there there's a difference between putting out a product and putting out a winning product. And, you know, learning that you have to layer your seasonings and you have to be able to hit every single flavor profile. And here in Texas, we're not big sauce people. You know, it's like let the salt, pepper, maybe some garlic, let the meat, you know, speak for itself. But in competition, if you're not saucing your briskets or your ribs, uh, you're not winning. And and that's just it's not to make it, you know, taste better. It's just to hit one more flavor profile because the judges only get one bite. You've got to have that best bite, you know, based on everybody else. And to be honest, I, I'm not a huge fan of 
the competition brisket. I'll eat a slice of it just to taste all of the kids stuff, but it's so rich and it's so, there's just so much there that I'm like, I'm one and done with that. You know, now my salt and pepper post oak low and sm- slow on the, on the, the stick burner, man, I, I, I have to be careful because I can go through about half a brisket before I get full. Are you bringing everyone to a competition? All 27 kids. So that is why we split up into the two different leagues is because they had different dates of competitions at different times of the year. And so last year I was able to focus on one league in the fall and got them qualified for state. And then the other teams were the, the competitions were in the spring that were close by us and I got them qualified for state. But then when state came, it was on the same day. So we just kind of had to divide and conquer. So we drove and went and stayed in a place in between the two cities where the state competitions were. And a couple of teams went one direction and a couple of teams went the other direction. And I had sponsors with me and a co-sponsor with the other teams and we just rock and rolled. You said there was $200 per competition and you got paid for the meat and, and all that and all the practicing. So my question is, uh, when you're practicing for the competitions, do you sell off the meat at the school lunch counter so you get some of the money back? Because <laughs> well, Texas... We, are- no, no. Well, I, we do a lot of uh, catering for the school. Oh, um, okay. That's been, one of, that's been one of the cool things about it is that it's been supportive. We're in a district where we have two main high schools and they both feed into the CTE campus to take their uh, career and technology education classes. So we're not a Rockwall or a Rockwall Heath team. We're a Dr. Gene Burton and College Career Academy team. And you have to take classes at the CTE campus or ag classes to be eligible to be on the team. And so we've got kids on both campuses that do other things. I've got people that play tennis, people that are in the band, culinary students, wrestlers, you name it, drone drone operators uh, for the robotics and, and uh, aeronautics program. And they talk about all this other stuff. And then I have coaches saying, hey, we've got a tennis tournament that's coming in in February. We want to get enough pulled pork to feed 50 coaches. Can you take care of us? And so we do that. Last year, all of the new teachers that came into Rockwell ISD, we catered the new teacher lunch. So we fed 150 brand new employees with brisket, pulled pork, beans, mac and cheese, and uh, banana pudding. So it's we we do things within the school to kind of raise money for ourselves. And then we also sell sponsorships on the back of our T-shirts and our banners and such. And, you know, we've been self-sustaining. But, you know, at the end of the year, it's like, OK, we're going to have to pick it up a little bit next year because we went through quite a bit because we did an extra competition or two this year. That's, that's great. You being a, a coach and a teacher, there's got to be some similarities when you're coaching football or 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 track or basketball and really mentoring or coaching a a barbecue team. Could you tell us about that? Absolutely. I think that's been probably one of the easiest transitions is because all of the practice schedules and the timing and the segments have kind of been drilled into my brain over the last, you know, the last decade that I was doing it. And I treat the barbecue comp- the barbecue practices just like I would treat a football practice. We have it all divided up by time and periods and by uh, different uh, categories or proteins. And the kids all feel, you know, kind of fit in to that spreadsheet per se, that practice plan. And we, we go by it because timing's a big thing. We don't have a lot of time to, to get stuff done. Um, 
one, you know, on the professional side, you can come in Friday night and start cooking after your meat check in uh, high school barbecue. In one of the leagues that we cook in brisket is a protein. And so we get in at five o'clock in the morning and can't pick up our meat until 6 a.m. and have turn in at 3 p.m. So they've got to be able to to be able to trim, season, inject, get the brisket on a pit, get it to temperature and tender, let it rest, slice it, box it all in less than nine hours. So using the same techniques and the same, you know, practice periods and stuff that we used in football has made it a lot easier for the kids. And most of them are used to that stuff because they played football in middle school or they, you know, played in, you know, they are in the band and there is some sort of structure to it. And so it makes it a lot easier for them to understand and follow along. Spoiler alert. I want to let everybody that's listening that doesn't know the results of the 2023 Texas High School Barbecue State Championship, cover your ears because I'm going to tell you, you won that, didn't you? Yes, sir. We had we had a really good showing at state last year. Yeah. And that was you had been uh, what was it? Your third year in the league? That was our Third year in the league, uh, the year before we took first place in brisket overall, and I think we finished fourth, so right out of the top three. And uh, this past year, we took second place in brisket, fourth place in chicken, and fifth place in ribs, and that was good enough for the GC at the state tournament out of 92 teams. And and Jeff, listen to this. There's a certain uh, Hall of Fame baseball player who was raising cattle at 10 years old and is extremely well known in Texas. Oh yeah. As a meat company. And a former New York man. Yeah. Called. Yeah. He, he owns a meat company called Goodstock, and they sponsor and supply the meat where they did for that contest. And that is none other than Nolan Ryan. So that's a, uh, that that's pretty impressive. Very uh, cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Was he at the event? Nolan Ryan, unfortunately, was not at the competition. I was actually kind of hoping he was growing up in Texas and being a Texas Ranger fan, World Series champs. <laughs> I was hoping that he was going to be there. And he's been, you know, an idol of mine. We live uh, Rockwall's just right outside of the DFW area. So uh, Arlington is up the road. And, you know, that's one thing that I love to do besides barbecue is, is go to baseball games. And, you know, that was kind of my birth, my birthdays in July. So that was one of the things that I would ask for. And we'd make a trip to to Arlington and go watch the Rangers play when I was a kid. And so he was a, he was a big, a big star in my eyes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he was in New York for a little while. You know, we won't talk about that. That was, <laughs> John, uh, we've had uh, a lot of pitmasters on our program, and they all have their own like set of tools and set of knives and, and to trim. I mean, the, these kids are what, 14, 15, 16 years old. Do they have their own set of tools that they use or they share upon, um, share among them themselves? So we have been really blessed. And through the military and through high school connections, we got hooked up with uh, Dow Strong. And Dow Strong is a knife company that's been around for a while, and they they decided to sponsor us. We did a video for Dow Strong uh, when we were working with the Travis Mannion Foundation, and we provided breakfast for the runners on a 9-11 run. They sponsored our team the first year that we were in, you know, doing the competitions and hooked us up with some amazing knives. 
And they've just been awesome. They support the kids. And anytime that something comes up or the kids need something, they have been right there to uh, supply us with uh, whatever that we've needed. So uh, I really appreciate the partnership that we had started with them and that we, you know, that we've been able to to continue over the last couple of years. I got to tell you, one most important tool in my barbecue cooking went way up is when I got myself a digital thermometer. I thought that was the most important tool for me. So I, I assume that the, well, teaching math and, and science, I guess, was, is going along with the barbecue. So uh, they must uh, have digital thermometers as well. Absolutely. We, on the personal side, through the Texas Moonswiners, I was able to get some connections with Ingbird. And uh, from time to time, Eekbird will ask me if I want to test out products. And most of the time, I'll ask them if I can have a couple to test out because of the high school barbecue teams. And they have always been uh, more than gracious to send um, the wireless thermometers, the the wired thermometers, the instant reads. And so the kids are uh, uh, hooked up with those. And uh, those those are probably one of the most helpful things that we have on our competitions. Len, Len, we we need to go back to high school. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I could use I could use a refresher course, <laughs> and and especially high school in Texas. Yeah, yeah. That, that's I'm where. telling you, it's it's crazy. They've got bass fishing teams. It, wow. uh, it's I mean, you can you can pretty much do anything that you want to do uh, as a club <laughs> if it's not UIL uh, sanctioned event. And uh, they make it happen. So I'm just, I am blessed uh, that I had the opportunity and was the first one to ask. I mean, we're a district of 17,000 students, a 6A, two 6A high schools, and I'm the only one that coaches barbecue. Sean, what about uh, lodging overnight for the kids? Because that's, I mean, I don't know where you guys, if you're setting up tents, if you're staying in a a hotel or, or families offer lodging. But that's got to be an expense. So that's where our administration and Rockwall ISD really comes through. When we are qualifying for state, regional events, they take care of our transportation and our uh, our, our rooms. Now, we do invitational stuff sometimes, like in on January 20, the 7th, 26th, 27th, we're going to be heading down to San Antonio to San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo and competing in the junior pitmaster challenge and because it's not an event that's helping us qualify for state then we have to pay for that ourselves which comes back into the local businesses partnering with us and selling of the the barbecue to the different sports organizations and you know selling sponsorships on our shirts and stuff i got i got you and i, I was going to um, ask you if you're going to go yeah. to the san antonio rodeo because uh, we actually have a, a good friend of ours who competes there and is a world champion. So uh, if you're running into Doug Shiding, tell us, tell him we said hello. We, I think we are going to be a little bit closer to them this year. They have the uh, the big one on one side, and then they had us kind of on the other side, but they're moving us this year. Last year, we were blessed to come out with a, a reserve uh, out of 40 teams, I believe, and was able to walk on the on the main stage. And so that's pretty cool to be able to pull up the San Antonio Stockshell Rodeo uh, website and the barbecue competition and see our kids uh, on the stage up there. We're very used to the KCBS where, you know, they're making it's chicken and, uh, you know, and the brisket and ribs. And and they've got, you know, um, there's no you do beans, you do dessert. It's not just you're not just doing proteins. You're also that, 
That's correct. In in one of the leagues, uh, the league that we won the state championship in this past year, it's dessert, beans, half chicken, uh, fully jointed half chicken, ribs, uh, spare ribs, or cut down to St. Louis style ribs and brisket. In the other league that we compete in, it's a little bit different. It changes uh, every year or every couple of years. Uh, this this year we're doing Dutch oven chili. Last year it was Dutch oven dessert, and then we've got skirt steak pork chops, chicken, and ribs. It's a little bit different. I've only done the KCBS style one time, and that's when personally I was qualifying for the World Food Championships this past year, and they wanted us to have six portions of chicken, and I knew I couldn't do that with half chickens, so I had to do, I did thighs, and so I reached out to a couple of the guys that have done the KCBS that I've met through Texas Moonshiners and also the 205 Pitmasters, and was able to get some tips and tricks to be able to to pull a grand championship in El Paso for the World Food Championships to qualify for the big event in November this past year. So, oh, and how, how did you do in that? We did all right. So there were ended up being about 35 teams total uh, from all over the United States and a couple teams from across the globe. We're not big foo foo and fluff. People, it's proteins and, and, you know, that's another thing my wife gets upset with is that, Hey, I'll go cook the brisket. And then I'm like, okay, here's dinner. And that's, there's the brisket. That's what we're having for dinner. (laughs) There's there's not much else there, you know, and uh, same with chicken or are you, you put me on the grill or the smoker. I'm good. We start talking about some of the other stuff, you know, it has to be for a paying event before I'm making potato salad or beans or macaroni and cheese. But on the barbecue day, when we had to do brisket, ribs, and chicken, we ended up taking third place overall with with a third place, a fifth place overall with a third place brisket call and a third place rib call. And then the next day was a wild card event where anything goes. And it was more, it was anything you could make on a smoker. And so we've never experienced anything like this. There were guys that were putting five course meals together for the judges. And it was pretty neat because we had uh, Leanne Whippen and Famous Dave and a couple of other celebrity judges that were judging our our entries and stuff. But it, it wasn't just your seven slices in a box, you know, with 10 full and that's it. And so that got us on, on the wild card day and, um, you know, but for the brisket ribs and chicken for the barbecue portion, you know, fifth place out of some major, major names out there, Sterling, uh, with loot and booty. You had Aaron Leslie with Texas oil dust. And I mean, there were just some, some really big names out there. I was really proud of how we held our own in the, in the main protein categories. That is great. You know, you you mentioned you made me laugh because when I'm not a competitive cook, I love to barbecue. I'm a backyard, you know, cook. And when when we would entertain and and my wife would say, "Okay, what are you going to be making? And I'd say, you know, I'll be making ribs or brisket or whatever. And then she'd say, and and I say, what do you mean? (laughs) Well, you got to serve. What else are you going to serve? I guess I could I could make some chicken, too. Yeah, but what about vegetables and sides? I said, well, I'm, you know, I mean, I guess I could get some, I guess I could go buy some coleslaw or something, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I was the same way, you know, it's proteins. That's what I'm making. (laughs) That's what we're having, right? (laughs) And, and Sean, when I say chicken, you have a love of cooking chicken, don't you? 
Oh, chicken's the devil, man. That's it's the <laughs> simplest protein, but it never seems to work out in our favor. I mean, it it works out in our favor as far as we get it done, but I mean, my goodness, it always has given us fits. You you would think because we go hot and fast with our chicken, and you would think that a four pound chicken split in half, spatchcocked on a three hundred and seventy five degree Weber grill pretty much directly over the heat and then offset would get done in, in an hour. And I'm telling you, man, I, I, we, we've pushed it sometimes to get it to, to, to temp. And it just, it always is chicken, you know, brisket and ribs, they typically come out okay. And and how we want them to, but it's, we, we fight with it. We fight with it for some reason. You know, Sean, it sounds like uh, and I, uh, we're probably making assumptions here, but it sounds like you have male teams, but uh, there must be female teams as well. Or or, or do you have co-ed teams? So uh, this past year was my first year to have uh, females on the team. The the young lady that was on the state championship team, uh, I had two females on the state championship team. One did beans and dessert and one did chicken. And like I said, chicken ended up taking fourth place in the state last year. This year, I've got four four young ladies uh, that cook with me. And so uh, it's it's awesome. If I could get five, then I would be able to start a – uh, just a, a girls only team. And that would be really, really cool. And so, I mean, I, I really wanted that after the first year because I just wanted to get more people involved and I didn't want that stigma of, you know, that it's just a male sport. I mean, you've got famous pit masters out there that are females that are out yeah. there that are, that are killing it. And, you know, to be able to, to bring them in and, and let them know that, Hey, this is a place where you can, you can, don't have to be an athlete or don't have to play an instrument. I mean, you just have to have good attention to detail and fire management skill. And to be honest with you, most of the time, the girls are a little bit more mature than the guys. And uh, they kind of help keep the the boys in check. <laughs> I want to get your reaction because you were featured in an ESPN article. And that had been, been like a wow moment for you. I'm telling you, so... We went, won the state championship, and they had a guy from ESPN that was there, and he was like, hey, do you mind talking to me? I'm trying to do a story about the high school barbecue state championships, and I was like, sure, because, I mean, first and foremost, kind of like when I was talking to you all in the email, you know, promoting the, the, the high school barbecue and promoting these kids is, is my, my number one goal, first and foremost, and so we got to talking. We just kind of like we're doing now, and the article came out and I was blown away. I mean, I didn't, it, it turned into kind of about me a little bit. And it was just, I was, I was like, man, this is, this is really neat to be in there, but you know, it did encompass the the state championships and the teams that were there and the kids that were there. Uh, but it was really, it was really cool. Kind of surreal. It came out on Memorial day, man, I, I, I popped that open and I was like, that's crazy. And then it led to other outlets picking it up barstool sports picked it up and uh they did uh, an article on due to the year and i was like this is not i had people texting me man you've usa today has got an article talking about this and that and so it was definitely a a very humbling experience because uh it wasn't something that i expected but man i was i was sure proud of that i was gonna say oh how'd you uh named you due to the year so i'm glad you mentioned that already dude (laughs) Of the so I will tell you, the <laughs> coolest thing about that whole thing is for Christmas, my wife had that article 
printed like on a mounted and stuff on a a trophy or a you know it had the whole article on there and stuff and that has been the biggest you know street clout that I have with those high school students and so that was they were they were kind of impressed by that my oldest son when I told him he's like no way that's that's and he's like telling all his friends so I was like see your dad's still kind of cool <laughs> he's a dude I'm a dude <laughs> Sean part of our show we just added this future feature I don't know a few months ago is one episode we have a baseball quote of the week and another we have a barbecue quote of the week baseball quotes are usually have somebody attached to them barbecue quotes a lot of times it's just anonymous well you said something that i'm going to use sometime we're going to attribute it to you so but i just want to you to know that and it is i i hope this is an original quote too but nobody's having a bad time when there's good barbecue Sean. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody's having, nobody's having a bad time. And, you know, to be honest with you, even not so great barbecue is, is good barbecue. I mean, if you're with your family and your friends and you're spending the time together and you're hanging out and, you know, a lot of times in this busy society that we have, we don't have a lot of time to do that. And, you know, with barbecue, it, it takes time to, to make a good product using that time to be able to to spend with your kids or spend with your friends or hang out or, or just sit down and breathe for a minute. It's awesome. It, it absolutely is. If I could just go back to the Rangers for a second, talk a little baseball for one second. Obviously it didn't matter because the Rangers, the Texas Rangers won the world series this year. Congratulations on that. But I was going to say, uh, how'd you like Jacob deGrom? <laughs> I'll tell you what. I I am I am happy for what we have as a longtime Cowboys fan. At least we got over the hump in, 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 with the Rangers. Uh, you know, it's it's been it's been bittersweet. I remember the two years that they got back to back World Series appearances, and uh, we got out coached the first year, and then a drop fly ball by Nelly Cruz cost us year number two and i wasn't sure if we were ever going to overcome that and get back and just you know we i I would go every every opening day that was our me and matt's uh the guy that i cook with that was our tradition is that we would take off school uh from teaching put in a day and we would go to opening day and then they went to the world series two years in a row and opening day tickets went from being 15 to 20 dollars to being 150 dollars and so we kind of had to pick and choose our our battles but it, 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 it's such a such an awesome experience to be able to to have that here in your hometown and, and watch them be successful and see how the pieces kind of came together. Uh, I hate it uh, that Beltre wasn't on the field a part of it because he was an amazing uh, third baseman for us. But I'm happy that that we got it got it done and brought it home and it wasn't Houston. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I want to ask you about going back to the Texas Moonswiners for for a minute here. I'm looking on your Facebook page, and I noticed that you partnered with Fifth and Cherry on on their cutting boards. They have a fantastic product, and they we've had them on our show as well. Do they supply you for, with all their boards? So Tim and Fifth and Cherry have been awesome. They have not only 
taking care of the Texas moon swiners, but they're also taking care of the 205 pitmasters. And the way I met Tim is we're both living in Rockwall right now, but through uh, Mike's National High School Barbecue Association, he was down and was there as a vendor, you know, talking to the teams and sponsoring, I think, I believe Mike's team. And we got to talking and he's like, you know, you're, you're going to the world food championships. We, you know, we've supplied the boards for them in the past. We would love to supply you and the tech and the 205 pitmasters with boards. So he hooked us up with a couple of uh, 18 by 18s that we used and the kids have gotten to use and uh, the kids don't know it, but there is customized boards coming their way with the, nice. the 205 pitmaster logo on it. One of his newer boards, the 24 by 18, that should be in sometime within the next month. And the, like I said, the kids have no idea about it, but I'm excited for them to be able to to open that up and, and use it. I mean, those the 18 by 18s that, that I've been using and the kids have been using since, you know, November, man, I tell you, like, that's probably the most well-made board that I've ever oh, yeah. used. And that thing's going to outlast me, you know? So yeah. They're beautiful. Uh, like I said, Tim, Tim is a great guy. Those are beautiful boards and yeah. the product that he puts out and the customer service is, is even more, is even better than, than the boards. You know, yeah. if there's a problem or an issue, he will stop what he's doing to take care of it. That is very generous of Tim because those boards are, are not cheap. So it's very generous on his part. Yes, sir. And, you know, just to, to, to sit down with him and hear the story about those boards and kind of how it how it came to fruition and trying to, to save the cabinet business that his family and stuff. It's just an awesome story. And like I said, he's a he's a really good dude prior service and as well. And, you know, we kind of clicked and it's it's been a really it's been a really good partnership, uh, you know, so far. Yeah. And he uh, I, I, if I encourage people to go back and listen to the episode he was on, but he did. uh he flew a helicopter in Iraq and those boards are so well made. You know, they, you see videos of how they make those. They're very well made. So I'm, I'm glad. I think it's a 26 step process that they use and it's yeah. all done by hand. And it's, yeah, that's, it's, it's just a pretty neat thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Okay. Now what? Now you have this great team. You've got 27 kids. Do you have a waiting list of, you know, people, can you take more? kids on or is there a is there a maximum where you just like have to say okay you you gotta wait so in the beginning we were the 205 pitmasters because we had one team the second year we had two teams so we were the 205 pitmasters team smoke and team fire the next year we had four teams and because we were in two different leagues we were still able to use the smoke and fire in the different leagues. Um, this year, we've got a fifth team, and they are Team Q, like as in barbecue. The most that I think that we're going to be able to do is if we add one more team to have three teams in both leagues, and then we'll have two fires, two smokes, and two Qs. The logistics is the biggest part. You know, being able to get those kids to and from the competitions and also carry all of our equipment and our smokers and everything. That's that's the biggest challenge. And so we get bigger than that, then we're, we would have to probably have a competition every weekend or every month to be able to have the t one team compete every month so that we can get everybody in. And I, I don't want it to get too big because I don't want to take away from the personalization of being able to be there and them learning 
and being able to retain the stuff that, you know, that they're learning and I'm teaching them. And I think when you get, you get so big as, as you know, at least when I was coaching football in seventh grade football, you had kids that would just always go to the back of the line because they were playing football because they had to, not because they wanted to. And they never got any reps or never got into the game because when their time came up, they would just move to the back and they didn't get anything out of it. And so I want these kids to be able to get something out of this. Um, the coolest, the coolest thing about all of this is the kids that graduate and that are continuing to do it. I've got kids in Arkansas that are doing competitions in Oklahoma that are doing competitions that graduated and are just hooked on it and wanting to stick with it. And they they'll text me from time to time and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think I should do here? Or how should I handle this? And now it's kind of like we're peers uh, and we're able to discuss things in, be- in between ourselves and they're taking that and they're making their own name for themselves. And so it's, it's just awesome. So, Sean, anyone listening to this, I think, can certainly get out of this that if anyone thinks that competition barbecue is going away, it's not. And as a matter of fact, there's a young generation that's coming up and get ready because it seems like that's that's they are the future of barbecue and they're going to they're going to kick butt when they get to the royal and to the jack daniels and uh you know all the competitions there look out and you are are the you're the mentor and uh it, it's it's commendable it's really great what you do uh for those kids well i i appreciate that it's you know the cool thing about here in texas is that we have a couple of barbecue professional barbecue associations that allow teams that have that kids up 14 and older can compete at. And we've, I've taken the teams out to compete against the big guys and the, all the other cooks love it. And they're all open to discuss and talk and give tips and pointers. And then at the end of the day, our names are being called, if not last close to last. And, you know, they're, they're winning, they're winning, not just at the high school level, but they're winning these other competitions where, People are doing this for a paycheck, and it's like I said, it is neat. It's it's so cool, and I'm just like I said, I'm blessed to be a part of this, and I'm so excited to see where it goes because it's it's doing nothing but growing right now. And you're right this this next generation that's coming up, there are over 150 high schools in Texas that compete, whether it's in one league or the other. There's teams of four or five, and so you've got a new crop of five to 600 kids that are coming through potentially every year that are learning a new craft and learning how to, to make it better. And they're smarter than us and they know how to use technology better than us. You know, it's, it's going to get to the point where at some point they're going to be like, Hey, AI, you know, can you, can you tell me a brisket, you know, how to win, how to win at the Royal. And then it's going to give them, you know, all the computations that they need and time and temperature and everything. And so, but yeah, it's, it really is a neat thing that's going on right now. Well, Sean, I also agree with Len and his statements, and I can tell, and I'm sure Len can tell also how proud you are of, of your kids and, and this in Denver. So it, it's just uh, fantastic. Before we let you go, you want to plug any social media you have on either the Texas Moose Winers or your, your high school team? Absolutely. You can check out the 205 Pitmasters on Facebook or Instagram. Super simple. The numbers 205 and Pitmasters. And on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, the Texas Moonswiners. Uh, Moonswiners, a lot of people say Moonshiners, but it's with a W and not an H. 
And so Texas Moon Swanners, uh, give us a like and a follow. We are uh, looking at, you know, being able to provide barbecue here pretty quick all over uh, the United States. We're working on getting all of our shipping and stuff done. So if you've ever been to Texas and you and you miss that Texas barbecue and you live in New York or live in Oregon or someplace where you can't just get that that taste of home, follow us and be watching because we're about to be able to to get you that fix here pretty soon. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us, Sean. We really appreciate it. It was a, it was fun. It was educational, and I, I had a blast. I'm sure Len did too. Absolutely. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you all very much. Very nice talking to you all as well. Thank you very much, Sean Hill. Thank you, Pete McCarthy. Hey, second. You know, Sean was was featured in an ESPN article. That's, That's yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, that is right. Pretty, 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 pretty good. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, Jeff, you mentioned Donald Fear, and I, I wasn't planning on this, but you mentioned Donald Fear. I think I've told you this story before. Years ago, I mean, I was a kid. I, I might have been, I think I was a freshman in high school, and I was into magic, and I, I learned how to make a few of the balloon animals, right? And it just so happens that my mom was friends with Donald Fear's wife. And I didn't, I, I really didn't know who he was at the time. He was, though, the uh, head of the players' union at the time, I believe. Yes, he was. No, I couldn't. Uh, you went to high school years, years ago. So he must have been involved with the union. We he was involved. The okay. He wasn't the, he head. Wasn't the head, but he was involved with, right? right? But at the time, it didn't, I didn't realize, I didn't put two and two together. And I did a magic show, but not a very good one, but his kid's birthday party. Well, maybe you can get him on the phone and get him on the show. <laughs> I mean, that would, right? I should. Maybe he will remember me. Uh, I think I might have taken his watch, put it in a sock, you know, broken it, but not been able to repair it. Anyway, we are presented by Bet Online. It is where the game starts. And after that story, probably people are saying, okay, we've had enough. Exactly. Stop. Exactly. Okay. So we're going to end the show. How do we end episode 223? With the musician. And that would be Dave Dresser. And the poet. Shel Krakowski. And the song. Baseball always brings you home. And we'll see you next week on episode number 224.